So just needed just needed a day or two. Again, you know, being smart, listening to my body, something that every once in a while, I actually do practice what I preach. Diz Runs Radio, episode 1017, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Well then. Welcome to this month's Q&A episode. We made it January, almost done and dusted, getting ready for uh, February, then March, and eh, you know how the calendar works. One month down, 11 months to go. Not that, not that. Uh, hopefully, not that we're already counting down to the end of 2022 and moving on to 2023. Hopefully that hasn't happened yet. Hopefully it's been a good start to the year for you. Hopefully it's been a good month. Hopefully we've got a, a couple of questions to answer today that might be semi-useful. So if you're new around these parts, this is something we do at the at the end of each month. The last Friday of each month is dedicated to your questions, my answers, maybe a little bit of usable, useful information, valuable content, decent advice, obviously a bit of tomfoolery and nonsense mixed in as well. So, you know, that's, that's kind of how this works out. And that's what we've got going on today. Uh, if you want to get your questions at asked on the show and then answered on the show because they kind of go hand in hand. The best place to do that is to join the Facebook group because somewhere in the middle of each month, I put out a post that says, hey, what are your questions for this month? And you put your questions in the comments. Then I read through the comments, ask the questions and answer them. It's, it's really pretty simple. I mean, it's not any more complicated than that. You're welcome to also email questions or submit them via other social media channels. I will promise to do my best to not lose those in the shuffle, but I can ad- I I will readily admit that I know that there are questions that have been asked in the past in other forms that somehow got did get lost in the shuffle and were never answered. So I apologize to those that have done that in the past for for losing out on the questions. Uh, but if you are part of the if, if you if you get on Facebook once in a while and you join the Facebook group and you see that post, I can ten out of ten guarantee that your question will get answered. Um, and again you've been around for a while, you've heard me mention it before. If you're new, just go to disruns.com slash Facebook. It'll direct you right there. Or the next time you're on Facebook, just search for the Disruns tribe. Say, we want to, I want to join. Uh, I'll let you in. And then, uh, you know, look out for that post middle of the month. Get your questions just like Thessaly did. Thessaly and others. But Thessaly is the first one on the list today. So let's, let's dive right into the questions for January 2022. First question from Miss Nicolason. Olympics are coming up. Woohoo! Do you enjoy any winter Olympic events? Similarly, have you ever considered racing a run slash cross country skiing or skiing race? That's a thing, right? So, uh, yeah, the Olympics are coming up. They, you know, as, as this episode comes out, we're less than a week away from, uh, the opening ceremonies and the Olympics being a thing again. Um, I'm definitely a winter Olympics fan, probably more of a fan of the winter Olympics than I am of the summer Olympics. Um, when it comes to my Olympic and I'm a fan of both, of course, but when it, when it comes to my Olympic viewing habits, I tend to default to the things that I don't watch very often, uh, basically every four years, 
things that just aren't really televised in the United States. Although these days I don't really go out of my way to watch much TV. So I guess that that kind of counts as just about everything that's in the Winter Olympics. Um, but uh, definitely plan on watching all of the curling. Uh, I enjoy ski jumping. Um, I enjoy I enjoy pretty much all of the skiing events, luge, bobsled. Pretty much the only thing in the Winter Olympics off the top of my head that I'm not super keen to watch is like the figure skating. Meh. Like, you know, and and I don't know all of the reasons, but I, I do think that there's some component of the figure skating that I don't like because it's it's judged versus black and white. Meaning, you know, we've all we've all heard the stories or if you've watched the Olympics over the years. I mean, there's like a new documentary that came out about the, the Paris figure skating, I think, in in Salt Lake City um, about the Russian judge. Right. But I, I mean, I feel like it's been the French judge or whoever. It's been various judges over the years who like, you know, they 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 kind of post a score that you're like, where the hell did that score come from? And then, you know, somebody else wins the gold. And it's just like that never really sat sat right with me. I mean, it's it's part of the same issues I have with gymnastics in the summer. Um diving even but like i feel like i don't know i like competitions that have a clear cut like you were faster or you were slower like you executed or you didn't um and so so you know i i just have no patience for figure skating plus i i think i don't like figure skating as much because nbc like tries to jam it down your throats like you are gonna watch figure skating and you're gonna like it and i'm like no i'm not gonna like it and i'm not even gonna watch it but curling, I will watch me some curling uh, and anything else that pops up. Hopefully, seeing as I'm not going to probably be watching on TV at all, and certainly because it's in, in China, I probably won't be watching live since, you know, time zones and things like that. Um, so hopefully the, the app experience or the, the website experience or the however I, I try to tune in to watch using Peacock or something like that, hopefully it'll go better than the Summer Olympics did because I feel like I was kind of meh on how the Summer Olympic coverage turned out. Um, last year. So we'll see, but definitely excited for it. Definitely looking forward to some curling, some Alpine stuff, maybe a little biathlon. Uh, who knows? Just all those, again, all those random sports that, that are random to me and not things that, that you really see on TV very often. Uh, that's what I like most about the Olympics. Uh, have you ever considered racing a run slash cross country skiing race? I didn't know that that was, that was a thing. I mean, I know biathlon, you know, cross country skiing and shooting a gun. like, I know that's a thing. Um, but no, I've I've never never really considered that. I've I've I dabbled in cross country skiing back in back in the day. My mom would go cross country skiing once in a while. It was at some point that was kind of a thing that maybe we were going to do together. Um, but yeah, no, like I to say I can cross country ski is is being loose. I mean, you're playing fast and loose with the with the definition of I can cross country ski. So the idea of, of adding, making that part of a race for me is, is kind of a non-starter. Uh, not, not my thing at all. Um, I'd probably watch something like that, though. I mean, you know, if it was a relay, I guess I could do the running part. But yeah, me and cross-country skiing, like, we're cool. But we're not going to combine those things for me anytime soon. Uh, but thanks for the question, Thessaly. And enjoy, enjoy your Olympic viewing uh, coming up in the next few days. Next question from Brooke at races. I love to talk to people, hear their running stories, etc. But I found, I found out no one likes to speak first when I, when I speak, then let me see here. Sorry, Brooke. It's not that you wrote the question poorly. It's that I can't read. Apparently when I speak, then they're all in and, and talk the rest of the race. This past Saturday, I ran beside a girl about a half a mile before I spoke. Once I did, she was like, Whew, I'm so glad I was hoping I would find someone to pace with and talk to. We ran together from 
six miles until the you know the last seven miles of the race. She thanked me for running with her. Yada yada yada. Why do you think people don't talk or strike up conversations on race day? Um, interesting question, Brooke, and, and certainly something that I feel like I've observed that as well. And I think that a lot of times it comes down to, um, especially at road races, like everybody's got their headphones in and they're kind of just locked in. And, and sometimes I feel like even if, even if you're open for a conversation, when you've got the headphones in, it kind of like, like, Oh, well, I'm not going to talk to this person because they, you know, they've got their headphones in. Right. Um, so, so I think that that's probably part of it. And I think that there's part of it is, at least for me, part of it is, is the whole, like, I don't want to screw up somebody's race situation. Right. So like, if I start to talk to them, then they might feel that they need to talk to me, but they're trying to focus on their pace. And then that somehow screws up their race. And like, I mean, obviously I'm not going to be offended if somebody doesn't want to talk to me during a race, if I, if I try to strike up a conversation or whatever. Um, but you know, people tend to be good people, hopefully. And so, you know, if you like, I'm not as such, they might feel like they can't just stone cold ignore me, which would be totally fine. But like, you know, they, then they start talking anyway, and that it could potentially screw things up. So I think that maybe there's something about that that could be a bit of a problem. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think that, I think that that's something that you find probably more stereotypically at road races than at trail races. I feel like some of those trail races, especially the trail ultras, like even when you're, when you are listening to something like you're cool with having a conversation. I mean, I've done that several times with people, um, at, at trail races, no, no factor. And if I'm, if I'm honest and if I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure how many times I've tried to strike up a conversation with somebody at a road race, but definitely have happened multiple times at trail races. Um, you know, although I guess if I go back to Wichita, you know, when I, which I ran a handful of years ago, I struck up a conversation with a couple of folks and just kind of tucked in with them and ran with them for 10 miles. So like, like it can happen. Um, you just kind of got to, I guess, you know, play it by ear and kind of see how things go. And, and if, again, if they don't have headphones in, that's usually helpful. Um, cause at least then they can hear you and, and you can, you know, you're not worried about your talking and, and th- they can't hear you. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a thing. Um, and, and I think maybe it's kind of, you know, probably one of those things where you just got to be willing to make the first move to, to, to say the first, the first thing, Hey, how you doing? What's your, like, what's going on? Especially if you're kind of running next to each other for a little bit. Um, and if they don't want to talk, then move on. But if, if they're up for it, then they'll start the conversation and then y'all can kind of work together and, you know, do the, do the whole team thing. And hopefully both of you have good races. So again, interesting thing to, to note and something that, uh, that, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe don't be afraid to, to say something to somebody, uh, because probably they wouldn't mind having a little chat. And if they do, then the, you know, again, there's very easy ways to just kind of be like, you know, I'm struggling. Thanks for saying hi, but I need to focus. Hey, no worries. Move on. You know, that type of thing too. So, uh, good, good question though, Brooke. Next one for also from, we've got a couple from Brooke after, after the big one, um, best salty snack. I mean, are we talking during a run or not during a run? Uh, because during a run, you, I mean, y'all know, y'all know it's potato chips, hands down, easy peasy. Give me, give me some of those, those classic lays at, at, at uh, you know, mile 20, mile 40, something like that. Good to go. Um, outside of running salty snacks. I mean, you know, like I don't really crave salty snacks that often, but, uh, you know, give me something, um, salty, sweet, like a, like salted, you know, dark chocolate or something like that. That's good. That's a good time. Um, but I don't know. I mean, does that really count as a salty snack? Like I would definitely not, I would count that as more of a sweet with a little hint of salt to it. Um, but I don't do a lot of salty snacks. I, I, I don't know why. I don't know why. 
Uh, I'm definitely more of a sweet guy. Uh, that's that's more of my bugaboo. Um, so so I don't know. You know, I, I maybe maybe something like sausage or something like that, some type of jerky, I guess maybe. But I don't really have those things around the house, so it kind of feels a little fraudulent to say that's my type of of favorite salty snack when like literally there's none of that stuff in the house right now. I mean, it's just pepperoni. I, I sometimes just gorge myself on pepperoni. Um, so I guess I guess that type of thing, some type of processed salty meat, would be my favorite uh, salty snack when I'm not running. Uh, but another good question. Another one from Brooke. Uh, what are your fuel options during a race before you started fat adapting? So, um, standard stuff, really, uh, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, uh, you know, liquids as far as like Gatorades, things like that, tailwinds, whatever. I mean, I still use tailwind even being fat adapted. Um, you know, not, not gels, obviously, but any of the, the chews, the chomps, the blocks, the sports beans, um, all those types of things were, were what I definitely relied on on race day before I just relied on myself to uh, fuel myself and definitely like that situation a whole lot better. What is the next state you're checking off of your list? So those, if you're not aware, working on eventually one day, someday running a marathon in each of the 50 states. I think I'm at 10 or 11, something like that now. I uh, haven't really ticked too many states off in the last couple of years thanks to uh, that whole COVID situation. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know that I have any super imminent plans, but if, if I had to, if I had to put a stake in the ground and say what state is going to be next is prob possibly, possibly Vermont, um, potentially making a, a trip, a trip North in, uh, the fall. So, you know, no, no firm, firm plans yet, but that's, that's kind of on the horizon. Uh, will something happen before then? Maybe. Maybe not. And I, I don't say maybe like I'm trying to be sneaky, like legitimately, like there's no, there's no discussion, no talk of anything happening before whatever that October, something like that, possibly going to Vermont. Um, but you know, I mean, it, it's not unlike me to not have plans for something all of a sudden four weeks from now being like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm going some, so such and such a place to run such and such a race. Like if the right opportunity presents the right opportunity presents and maybe there'll be something else that, that crops up, but, uh, hopefully Vermont in the fall. And do you have a time goal of when you want to check off state number 50? I mean, while, while I'm still breathing, you know, uh, outside of that, not really. Um, not that I want this to drag on for 50 years, but at the same time, like no, no major rush. Um, obviously it's got to work in terms of family dynamics and financial dynamics and things like that. And so right now we're just not at a point both financially or just in the state of our family where me running eight or 10 races in a year is especially to eight or 10 different States in a year is realistic. So, you know, if, if we can chip off, you know, for the most part over the next, the next five years, you know, chip off another 10, 10, 12 States. So, you know, a couple per year ish, something like that, that would be good. And that would kind of put me, you know, 45, 46 and be halfway through, um, then maybe, maybe at that point, you know, you start getting, um, not that Addison will be out of the house, of course, yet, but hopefully, uh, at a point where, you know, staying with friends or things like that, where maybe we can, we can pawn her off for a weekend here and there. Um, and, and Rebecca and I can take off because financially we'll be in a place where we can do that more. I mean, I don't know, like, like there's a lot of variables, of course, anybody who knows who's trying to do races in multiple States, there's, there's a lot of financial considerations and, and logistical considerations that have to go in it. And I just don't want to put some type of time frame of, I want to be done by the time I'm 50 or by the time I'm 45 or by the time, you know, by, by 2030 or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't want to put any of those type of time frames on because frankly, 
um, who knows how long it's going to take and when we'll get there. And um, obviously, it's a goal I want to do, something I want to achieve, but not at the, at the cost of you know family stuff and, and threatening the financials and things like that. So, so yeah, all that long-winded way of saying no real-time goal, uh, but definitely it's not something that I don't want to do. You know, we'll get there. We'll get there when we get there, and we'll just kind of keep chipping away as we go. So thank you for the questions, Brooke. Appreciate it. Next from Kelly. I know everyone is different, but what three to five strength exercises do you feel, do you think would be most beneficial for the majority of runners? Um, yeah, I mean, you're right, Kelly, everybody is different, but I, I do think that when it comes to, to strengthening for runners, like, even though we're all different, like it's glutes, it's quads, it's hamstrings, it's core. It's like, we still kind of use, you know, every, as humans, we kind of use all the same muscles. So I think, I think as far as a general recommendation, general guideline for most runners, most humans in general that are runners, uh, some of the best strength exercises would be squats or, you know, various types of squat variations, but just, you know, some type of that squatting movement, um, lunges. I'm a big fan of lunges, um, in part because they they work a lot. they, They work squats and lunges work a lot of the same muscles, kind of everything from the hips down. But I like the lunges because you get kind of that single leg work at a time. I mean, yes, both legs are down, although there are variations where one leg is not down. But, you, you know, for the most part, you got both legs down. So it's not as much of a balanced situation, but you're working each leg kind of individually. So you are working each leg, you know, a little bit in isolation, which I think is good because running obviously is, you know, each leg is working at a time by itself in theory. Like you never, when you're running, you never have both feet on the ground, right? Like that's, that's not a thing. So, um, I like lunges. I like some type of, of hip hinge, whether it's a deadlift, single leg deadlift, something like that, that works a little bit more glutes and hamstrings, things like that down the backside. So as far as like leg muscles, like those are, are probably the big three. Um, I like calf work, you know, toe raises, eccentrics, things like that, that work your calves because your, your calves really do. I mean, are, are maybe the most overlooked, and also like the most workhorse muscles when it comes to running. Um, and then something core related, probably a plank, you know, if we're going to keep it simple, uh, plank is a pretty, if you're doing a good plank, keeping everything nice and flat and tight and tucked in and, and the, the, you know, core engaged and the glutes engaged and the lower back engaged, like it, it does work a little bit of everything. Um, certainly a lot better than like crunches or things like that. So, you know, if I had to say as a blanket, here are five exercises that are very beneficial for runners. It'd be, it'd be squats and squat variations, lunges and lunge variations, some type of deadlift and, and, or deadlift variations. Lots of variations here. Um, calf, calf work. So toe raises, calf raises, things like that. And then planks. So there you go. There's, those are some five things and not, and I'm not saying, let this be, let this be clear, not saying that you need to do each of those five exercises every time. But if those types of things are in your routine semi-regularly, you're ticking the boxes. Anything else that you're adding on top of that is just icing on the cake. All right. Uh, another one from Kelly, how many different shoes are in your usual rotation? Um, this is an interesting timing of this question because I'm, I'm working towards just one. I'm working towards just one, um, at least one for my road shoes. I, I, uh, have, have gotten a pair of zero shoes. Uh, if you remember, uh, December, I think, uh, the, the founder of zero shoes, uh, Steven was on the show. I can't remember Steven's last name. It's going to come to me in a minute, but, uh, you know, it was, it was a handful of episodes ago. Uh, but we talked about, you know, we talked about his shoes, but we talked just about, you know, obviously a whole a lot of running and injuries and things like that. Um, but he was very generous and sent me uh, a code to get a free pair of shoes. So I, I got them. I'd been thinking about trying out zeros for a while that, that, you know, free is for me. So that put me over the top. Um, 
And I'm working on basically making those my only running shoes, seeing as they have like a 5,000 mile warranty on them. So I, I'll at least be able to get a couple years worth of, of use out of them. Um, and it's been a little bit of an adjustment, but I feel like I'm pretty good. I haven't worn anything else for, I don't know, a couple of weeks now. Legs are feeling good. Body's feeling good. Um, and so outside, like if I could go run on the trails, I'll probably wear something different. So I'll have a, a, a pair of trail shoes or two, I guess, in the, in the rotation. But trail running isn't a regular part of the routine for me anyway. So uh, maybe just one. Maybe just one. Now, we've got another question in running shoes later, and, and I'm not necessarily saying that that's the right thing for everybody. But I used to have three or four pairs in the rotation. I kind of like being down to just one. I kind of like that that thought, that idea. Um, we'll see if that lasts for months and months or years and years. But right now, I'm probably pretty close to saying one is uh, the rotation at the moment uh, and, and the plan going forward. Last question from Kelly. Where is the most favorite place you've ever run? Hmm. That's, that's a tough one um, because first and foremost, I... Not that I don't like the question, Kelly, but I, I always struggle with the, the most or the least or the best, like like those those questions that make me, like I feel the pressure of like, I got to get the answer right, but I'm sure I'm going to forget something. Um, and, and I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the, the, the favorite place I've ever run is, is a tough one because I've run in some cool places, but nothing like this, that feels that earth shattering to me. Um, you know, running at Disney is fun, but like anybody who's run a Disney race knows that like, there's a lot of not magical miles at, at a, at a Disney world race. Um, so it's kind of like the, the highs are pretty good, but the, the, the rest of it is kind of like, meh. um, you know, some of the cities I've run in, I've run in, in Dallas. That was pretty fun. Um, but like, you know, I mean, city running is cool. You see some sites, see some cool things, but like it's, it's city running. Um, Probably my favorite place, if I if I had to try to nail it down at this point, would be um, I can't remember the the town's name, but in in California when I ran the Running with the Bears marathon a couple years ago, hand, gosh, six years ago, eight years ago now, it's been a while. Um, but Greenville, I think, is is the town. Um, but it was just it's just beautiful, you know, like like in the Sierra Mountains. Um, you know, some, some like small town. So there wasn't lots of traffic. There were cows. There was, there was, you know, goats and horses and things like that. Um, like just kind of some rolling Hills, some, some trail ish, like ran on the trails before the, the race. Um, that was a, a, a nice place, but there's, there's plenty of places. Like there's, there's plenty of, of places out West that I would love to go explore, go hit some trails, things like that. Um, Grand Canyon. I'd love to get there. I haven't been there yet. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, the more places I can explore for running, uh, I'm up for it. It makes the, the question more difficult. Um, it's already clearly difficult, but, uh, I'm, I'm all about exploring and seeing some beautiful places, um, and, and logging some just great miles at various places throughout, uh, this, this country. And, you know, someday maybe even the, the world, but, uh, thank you for the questions, Kelly. Appreciate it. Next question from Chris, what is the best winter Olympic sport and why is it curling? I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to argue that curling is, is at least the best winter Olympic spectator sport. Um, and obviously that's, 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 a, that's a, a, a matter of taste, but I think, I think part of the reason that I like curling so much and maybe why the United States, I feel like has really embraced curling, at least during the Olympics. I don't feel like we've embraced curling the rest of the time, but at least during the, the Olympics is because it's, it's maybe the only sport that you watch it and you like legitimately think like I could do that. You know, because, because 
I don't think there's too many of us that like legitimately think like, oh yeah, put me in a spandex suit and slap me on a on a luge sled and like I can do that. Like, I mean, I would love to try it, but like the risk of dying is is high, right? Like like throwing me down the luge the luge track, um, like there's there's some risk and there's some 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 uh you know like I yeah I don't know it'd be it'd be a rush if I if I knew I was going to come back healthy, um. But like, you know, I can't do a triple sow cow. Um, I, I, I think again, you know, going off a ski jump lift, like that would be awesome. But like, I'm not going off the ski jump. Like that ain't happening. I'm not flying 150 feet through the air, hoping that I land uh, on my, on my skis, you know? Um, but slinging a rock down the ice and sweeping, like I can do that. Now, clearly I can't do it to the level of the Olympians, but like you look at it and you're like, I bet I could do that. So I think that, I think that that's why. Uh, curling is so just, it's, it's, it's fun to watch. It's interesting. There's a little bit of strategy that obviously there's a lot of strategy that goes along with it. And there's the skill the the touch, the talent, like, like the practice, the, the, the years of work. Um, but you, but when you're just watching it and you just see these guys throw and like, like they throw the, the stone and they miss the button by a, a foot and you're like, God, that guy's terrible. Meanwhile, like, I mean, I'd probably miss it by a mile. You know, like, like I'd either come up 20 feet short or, or throw it all the way through the house. Um, so, so yeah, you know, I think, I think that, uh, curling is, is a great sport to watch at the Olympics. And, uh, maybe part of the reason that it, it is so well enjoyed is that people think they can do it, even though realistically, like nowhere near would we be on, on that level. Um, even for the, the bad teams, like no way, no way. But, uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for the question there, Mr. Short. Uh, Chris Murner chiming in. What goals are you most looking forward to conquering in your 40s? Yes, apparently the cat is well out of the bag. I'm 40 now. Um, so far, feels an awful lot like 39. Uh, so I'm not quite sure what the big fuss is about. Uh, but I don't know. I, you know, like, like, I guess, I guess, just continuing to to keep on keeping on 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 all fronts. You know, continuing to build the empire, continuing to to build the business and, and help more folks, uh, continuing to to you know dive into um, and and fully continuing to embrace the heart rate training and and continuing to get faster and and you know run stronger races and and build my fitness and keep working towards Boston. Um, but there's not like anything major that I'm like, all right, now I'm 40, I want to do this. Like you know, and probably that's that's a lot of that's my type B minus personality. Like I'm just going to kind of keep on keeping on and keep looking for opportunities and keep you know maybe dipping my toes in this water or, or exploring this thing or scratching that itch and and if it turns up to be something cool and if not hey you know we got a good thing going we'll just keep on keeping on. Um, so so yeah just just continuing this this slow but steady upward trajectory that I feel like I'm on on a lot of fronts you know family wise personal wise business wise. Um, you know, if we can keep things moving up and to the right, that's, that's, that's the goal, I guess, on, on all phases. So, um, sorry, that's not the, not, maybe not the greatest answer, but, um, you know, just kind of keep taking it one, one year at a time, one, one month at a time, one quarter at a time, one week at a time, um, one day at a time and, and, you know, trust, trust in the process, I guess, is continuing to be the, be the plan for the next decade. Uh, Next question, Santino, what are your three top tips for marathon newbies? So um, we will talk more about this as your race approaches, milady. But in general, I think I think the best tips for um, people that are getting ready to run their first marathon is to first and foremost, have fun. Ha- like on race day, the goal is to have fun, which potentially means don't set a time goal. 
You know, and, and I know that sometimes, especially if you run a lot of races, you know, half marathons and, and shorter events or whatever, or even things in between the half marathon and the marathon, maybe a couple of 30 Ks or whatever, like it's easy to get stuck in the time. Like what I, I think I could do five hours or four hours or three hours and 30 or whatever. Like, I think I can have a time goal. And obviously I'm not saying that time goals are bad, but I think for your first marathon, when you're going to be in some uncharted territory, you've never run 26.2 miles before, or at least assuming you've never run 26.2 miles leading up to this first marathon race. Um, it's a good idea to just kind of, Hey, let's, let's just finish. As long as we finish and have fun, we're good. So I think that's that somewhere that's either first tip or the, the first two is to, to just run it for fun. Not worrying about time goals. Um, trusting your training is, is an important one. You know, like, like there's, there's, there's going to be days, there's going to be weeks where the training is kind of, eh. but remember that the training for a marathon and training for any race, quite frankly, I mean, a lot of these, these tips kind of are not just marathon specific, they're running specific. Um, but like training for your marathon, it's not all about one run or, or one week. You can have a bad run. You can have a bad week. You can have a week where you're sick and you don't run at all or where you're on vacation, scuba diving in, in Guatemala or Honduras or wherever it was that you went and you're not running at all. And that's okay. Because, because the training is, is kind of more of the sum of the parts than the, than the individual pieces. And so, you know, over the course of 16 weeks, 18 weeks, 20 weeks, like the last six months, however, like whatever you've been doing that's building towards the marathon, like that's going to carry you through that run that didn't happen or whatever. So trust, trust your fitness, trust the work that you've done, that it'll pay off. Um, and then maybe last but not least, as far as tips go for, for marathon newbies, um, gosh, I don't know. Um, I, I, I like, I think I like my first two as, as two separate ones instead of one, have fun on race day and then also go for no, no time goal, you know, and, and, and just roll with it. I, I go with those as two and then trust your training as three. I think, I think I like that better. Um, anything else is going to be more specific to each person or, or whatever, but just in general, have having fun, trusting your training, no time goal. I think those are the best, the best for most people, the best three tips for the first marathon. And then after that, you want to start setting more specific goals and working towards times and qualifications and things like that. Hey, we can do that. We can do that. But, uh, training hopefully continues to go well, Santina. And, uh, thank you for the question next, next from Mona. We got the, we got the Mona block here. Uh, first one, how's the niggle in the foot that happened on apparently a very cold day in Florida. So I, I don't know. Are you trying to, are you trying to like poke a little fun at me saying it was cold in Florida? Because guess what? It was cold in Florida. Like, you know, 40 degrees is cold. The other day when it was 34 degrees, that's cold. Now, maybe, and I, first to admit, you know, I mean, back home for me, back in Michigan, 35 degrees, 40 degrees in December or in January. Yeah. Not particularly cold, but 34, 40 degrees in May, in April, in June, that's cold. Okay. So yeah, it was cold in Florida. You know, it happens. It happens from time to time. Thankfully, and the reason I live here is that our cold is like a day or two, maybe a weekend, whatever. It's not seven months on the spin. So, you know, there's that. Um, but the foot niggles going well, you know, it was, it was no big deal. And it, it had nothing to do with it being cold either. It was just coincidental. Um, but you know, I don't know. I, I must've stepped on something, had a little, little pain in the, in the forefoot, um, wore a, a little bit cushier shoes, got out of my zeros for a couple of days, spent a day on the bike day on the zeros, uh, or day on the, the ultras, so something with a little more padding. Everything's been good to go since. So just needed, just needed a day or two again, you know, being smart, listening to my body, something that every once in a while I actually do practice what I preach. Um, 
Have you seen Project 159? How does one do that? It was so cool to watch through. I got goosebumps. Also saw 14 Peaks. So, so cool. I would love to hear your view on both of those if you've seen them. I've seen neither. Uh, so I, I guess I can't really review. Um, not sure what, uh, you know, sorry. Sorry, I got nothing. I, I got nothing on um, being able to to comment on them um, other than, you know, I like a good documentary. I just don't tend to sit down at the TV long enough to watch a good documentary. Um, but I'll, I'll add them to my list of maybe some days. And if I do, I'll uh, maybe maybe throw a little review somewhere um, for you. But thanks for the, at least for the recommendations. And uh, if other folks have seen them, you know, chime in. Let us let us know what you thought of either one of the the, the movies one one fifty nine or fourteen peaks. Next next question from Mona. I don't know, but this year has started in kind of like a funk for me. Uh, running wise, it was stormy, and then we got wet, soggy Christmas, and then everyone around me got COVID. Like I want to cancel my subscription already for twenty twenty two. I'm running in daylight, which I never did before. I used to love running in the dark early mornings. What's going on with me? How are things for you? What do you do to uplift your mind when everything is a little bit uh, eh, around you? Uh, I'm doing absolutely no yoga. Like, who am I now? So, uh, first of all, Mona, in all seriousness, I know we like to have some fun with each other on these questions, but in all seriousness, like, sorry that that the year's gotten off to a bit of a rough start for you. Um, obviously, you know, and I don't mean this to, in any type of diminishing ways, like everybody goes through those periods, whether it's, it's a few weeks, a few months, a few years, um, hopefully not too much longer than that, but sometimes maybe even longer than that, where, where it's just kind of, you know, everything is a little bit sideways and like, you kind of lose yourself a little bit and your routines are upside down and you're not doing things you enjoy. And like, like that sucks. That sucks. So hopefully, you know, we get through January, close the door on January and maybe hit reset. Maybe you can't, can't cancel your subscription to 2022. Maybe you can hit reset, start fresh in February, kind of get back into your routine. Hopefully, hopefully the people around you are healthy. Hopefully the weather's getting better. Although it's funny that you, you know, are making fun of my cold Florida, but you're complaining about cold, soggy, wet, you know, I mean, it's just still weather stuff, but anyway, um, hopefully February can be, you know, get off to a better start and you can get back in, into your routine. And, and I think that, you know, for me, you know, when, when, when things are a little bit off and when, when my mind's not quite there, um, I feel like you kind of answered the question by asking a question. And that's like finding those, those things that like, I know I need. And, and maybe it's not as much as normal. So maybe like for me, that'd be my running. Um, but like going out for a run and like, even if I can't get my, my normal, you know, six miles in my, my normal route, route through the neighborhood, like, can I get three or four miles? Can I do something to, to kind of start writing the ship? Um, so for you, I mean, maybe that is getting out early in the morning. Maybe that is getting back on the yoga mat. Um, and maybe it's not the full, and I don't know what your yoga routine or your yoga practice has been like in the past, Mona, but just, just spitballing here and just it, to try to make a point, you know, maybe, maybe you normally do a, an hour long yoga class and you'd go somewhere, you go to the studio or whatever. Um, and, and for any number of reasons right now, maybe that's not something you can do, but like, can you get a 20 minute class? That's just, you know, off of YouTube or something like that, or 30 minutes or something, something that's, that's sure. It's maybe not the same. Maybe it's not the same environment. Maybe it's not, maybe it's, it's more of a yoga flow instead of a hot yoga or whatever. But like, can you at least start to write the ship by getting some, some yoga happening again? Because then you'll start to, you know, focus on the breath and focus on the poses and, and like that might help to clear your mind. And then that might help you get back out to your running routine. And like, like I feel like when things are spiraling, not saying that they're completely spiraling, but you got a lot of ish going on here in 2022. It sounds like from your question, like try the, the, the human nature, at least my nature, which I'm a human, but uh, I'm not going to quite, quite say all of you have the same nature as me. Um, 
But my nature is to try to like fix everything at once, right? Turn all, turn the whole ship around on a dime. But what is tends to be more effective once I realize that that's not going to work out is to focus on one area. What's one thing I can do to stop, stop the, the proverbial bleeding here. And again, for you with your question, maybe that's the yoga. Maybe that's just finding time, finding 10 minutes, 20 minutes every day to do some type of maybe just meditation, maybe just breathing. Maybe it's some yoga flow, whatever. Maybe it's to a, to a, um, to a YouTube video. Maybe it's just doing your own sun salutation routine, whatever it is, but just start, start with that. And then that starts to build. And then that, that yoga becomes a full class and then yoga becomes running and, and things start to turn around. You get settled back in and then you can, you can resume 2022 with a hopefully better outlook, fresher trajectory, getting things back on track. But, uh, again, in all seriousness and all, all, all kidding that we normally do aside, I'm, I'm sorry that, that, you know, the first month has been rough. Hopefully things get back on the rails ASAP for you. Last one for Mona. Okay. A funny one. If Rebecca's not home and you have to cook for your baby girl and you, what will you make box mac and cheese or cereal in a big bowl? Oh, Mona. Oh, Mona. How, how, uh, I don't know what, what's, what the right word is here, but, um, if Rebecca's not home or if Rebecca's home one way or the other, guess who's still making dinner? This guy. Um, you know, I, I love my wife and I love when she cooks. Um, but based on family dynamics and logistics, you know, kind of like with, with Brooke's question about traveling for races, it kind of just makes sense that I do most of the cooking at home because working from home, not having to commute things like that. Like, you know, occasionally she's home before I start making dinner. So then it could kind of go either way. Um, but it's just, you know, just kind of like how, how domestic chores and duties and things like that kind of, you know, sometimes there's, there's, it's communicated between partners, like who does what sometimes it just kind of falls into place that, that, I do this and she does that and, and whatever. Um, probably outside of Saturday, she tends to make, well, she tends to cook on Sunday, you know, which, which is, is appreciated, uh, sometimes Saturday, but during the week, like it's probably 90, 95% of the time, at least during the school year, during the week that I'm making dinner. I do the grocery shopping. I kind of do the meal planning. I know what kind of things we have. So, I mean, it kind of just makes sense. So, on the nights when Rebecca's not home and I'm cooking for Addie, guess what? We kind of eat tend. I mean, we tend to eat leftovers those days. Um, but you know, it's just the same time. It's definitely not box Mac and cheese. It's definitely not cereal in a bowl and not to throw my wife under the bus. But if I'm not home and she's making dinner, that's where box Mac and cheese and cereal for dinner comes into play, which is fine. They do what they want to do on those days. Um, but if I'm home, we're eating, we're eating something better than blue box and, uh, cereal for dinner. 10 out of 10. So thanks for the questions as always, Mona. Hope you have a, a good month and hope, uh, hope, uh, looking forward to, uh, some good questions again next month as well. Now, Melody chiming in, which, you know, those, that, that, that's always, that's always dangerous territory. Uh, so let's see what Melody's throwing our way this time. Uh, I know as a Michigander, you're used to the cold, but now that you're a longtime Floridian, I was wondering how you're handling this year's cold weather and running these days with temps in the thirties. That's chilly for us up North. I can't imagine what it must feel like for you. Do you enjoy it at all? Well, goodness gracious, Melly. That's almost a serious question. Huh? It's like a festivist miracle around here. Um, turn over a new leaf in 2022. I see with serious questions. I appreciate that. Um, and you know, like don't, don't read into it more than it is like, like the temps in the, in the high thirties, low forties, like it's chilly. But it's not like it's not like I'm a Floridian now. 
I've been living here long enough that I have a, I have a Florida driver's license, all those types of things. But I still have my Michigander card. Absolutely do. I'm going to complain about the cold. Ask Kate. I will complain about the cold. Like that's, you know, ask Rebecca. I will complain about running in the cold. There's been a few times that I've kind of, you know, been like, you know what? I don't even feel like dealing with the cold today. I'm just going to ride the bike. All right. You know, like, like, I guess I'm getting soft in that front, but like if push comes to shove, like I'm not going to not run because it's 35 degrees. It's just like, whatever I'll put on a jacket. It'll be fine. Um, you know, I'm still wearing shorts. Like it's not, it's not a big deal. Uh, once you get going, you know, even if you're still a little bit chilly, like, like you're not cold anymore. Um, so it's, it's not a big deal, especially when I can walk out the house and go and finish and just walk right back in the house. Um, so, you know, it's, it really is kind of much ado about nothing. Like it's chilly for us. It's it's chilly for y'all. It's certainly chilly for me. Um, but it's not like I can't get into it and, and like, you know, it's, it's, I would say I prefer running in the summer than running when it's 30, but you know, it's only 30, like every couple few days. And then it's like, it was like 50 this morning. Like that's, that's fine. That's doable. You know, 50, 50 in January, sign me up. That's why I live in Florida. So, you know, these couple of random days when it's really cold, eh, whatever, no big deal. I, I've, I've waited for the bus and worse so I can run when it's, you know, above freezing, not a problem. Uh, but thank you for the question. And yeah, I mean, I don't enjoy the cold, but like, whatever, I still enjoy my runs. So that's, that's fine. Uh, next question also from Melody. Uh Oh, can we, can we string two good, good, serious questions in a row together? We'll see. How is Mr. Bobby Krim doing? Do you still see him around the neighborhood? Does he still run sometimes? I loved your podcast interview with him. It was one of my most favorite episodes. I'm sure he has other stories to share. I would love to hear another update interview with him. Do you know that if you Google his name, that picture of you of a, of a young Diz with him is at the top of the page of his search results. Can you tell I loved his interview? Well, Look at you, Melody. It must be a new leaf. Two, two, two serious questions in a row. Um, he's doing well. He's doing well. Um, definitely still see him out in the neighborhood, running, uh, riding his bike, doing his, his workouts in the, in the stretches in the driveway, things like that. Um, he's still, he's still going and I'm pretty sure he's 90 now, maybe 91. Uh, just, you know, keep on, keep on keeping on. Um, don't, I haven't like talked to him a lot. I mean, we talk, we talk a little bit, um, but for semi-obvious reasons, chief among which is that he's you know right around ninety years old, uh, he's been he's been laying low, especially in Florida with with COVID the last couple of years. So, um, you know, like I said, we, we talk once in a while, like from across the street or whatever. You know, how's how's it going? What what races are you training for? Like like pretty surface level stuff. Um, but he's, he's still doing well. It's a little bit slower, but Hey, again, at 90, we'll forgive you for being, you know, a little bit slower than you were when you were 80. <laughs> I, th- I think, I think we can forgive that. Um, but yeah, he's still going strong and, and yeah, maybe, maybe it is, uh, it would be, it would be a good idea to get him on the show again at some point soon ish. Uh, because again, at 90, you like, can't just be like, Oh yeah, somewhere in the next couple of years, because you know, there's no guarantees. There's no guarantees for me, let alone for, for him. So, um, so yeah, he, he, I, I like him. He's a, he's a great guy. No doubt. Dozens and dozens and dozens and all of the stories. Um, so, so we'll see, we'll see what happens, but, uh, but yeah, he's still, he's still running just about every day. Um, you know, I mean, that's when you're 90 and you're still upright. Big part of that is because you're running. So you, you keep running. I think at least that's, that's my plan. Um, certainly what, what I'm seeing him do when he's, when he's down here and he's got a couple months left, uh, till they head back to Michigan. So, uh, we'll see if we can't wrangle a, a, a chat at some point, socially distance enough that he's comfortable doing it. And, uh, we'll see what happens, but thank you for the question. 
The Melody Trifecta. Third question from Melody. How do you give someone a race? You can't just sign them up. So do you just give them the money? Or is there another way, another more creative way that I'm unaware of? So, I mean, you can just sign them up if you know their information. So it kind of depends maybe on who you're gifting. Um, but like if you know age and you know, or at least you like know date of birth usually. So if you know, if you know your friend's birthday, um, even if you don't have the exact year, you can probably still, you know, go with it. Um, and then just, you know, I, I guess the big thing, if you're going to give someone a race is, is you got to make sure before you gift it to them that they're, they want to do the race, you know? Um, but, but, but yeah, I mean, you can, you can definitely just sign them up. Um, and, it, and if you don't know the information or you're not sure they really want to do it or whatever, um, then you can just give them the, I mean, yeah, you could give them the money or you could, you could kind of do, a. um, I know you've been talking about doing this race. I would like to run it with you and, and gift you the, the, the race or gift you the, the entry fee, um, as part of our, you know, girls weekend or, or whatever, you know, that, that type of thing. So you gotta be a little bit more creative than, than just handing them the money and say, here, sign up for this race. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's different ways to do it. It depends on the race and it depends on what kind of bells and whistles and hoops you need to jump through. If, if there's proof of time requirements, things like that, then it becomes a little bit trickier to do it, to, to just straight up gift it to them. But if you know they want to run the race, you know, where there's a will is a way. And, and, uh, you know, you're, you're sneaky enough when it comes to sending gifts through the mail that I'm sure you can figure out how to, uh, you know, get someone signed up for a race and then be like, ta-da, congratulations, you're running this race. I'll see you there. Um, so, so yeah, you're, you're clever melody and sneaky in a good way. You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. Thanks for the questions, lady. And look at you a month's worth of non nonsense questions. I like it. I like it. Next question coming from Rob in your opinion, what would be a more efficient way of approaching heart rate based fitness building more consistent, shorter runs or longer runs of longer distance with more days of recovery, both covering about the same weekly mileage. So this is one of those, those situations, Rob, where, um, don't, don't overcomplicate the process as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, is, is there a more efficient way? Is one better than the other? I mean, maybe, but I would say that, that really you're looking at a six to one half dozen of the other situation. And the real key is sticking with the heart rate zones, sticking with your heart rate in the right, in the right, uh, levels for the base building. So whether it's zone two, whether it's, you know, under your math or whatever other type of formulas you're using, just making sure you're staying, you're sticking in that sub threshold aerobic zone. Um, and then, then you're, you're pretty much good to go either way. So whatever works best for your schedule, you know, the, the pros and cons of both is that, um, you know, for the longer runs, which, which maybe if I had to, if I had to pick one or the other, I might say that, that fewer runs, but longer distances might be, might be better. But the problem is, is that your heart rate tends to, to really start climbing the longer you go, especially when you get outside of like an hour, two hours, like to, to proper long run type of distances. So you might, you might struggle ego wise. You might struggle to keep your heart rate down the longer you go versus it might be easier to be disciplined and stick to your heart rate zones with the shorter runs. Um, you know, if they're 30 minutes, 40 minutes, something like that, where, you know, unless you're really hammering to keep your heart rate right at the top of the zone, like you can just kind of cruise and it's never going to get out of the, out of range. So, but ultimately it's not a, a massive difference. One, one versus the other. And just like any type of training, maybe the ideal is a little bit of both. So, you know, a handful of shorter runs, one longer run, might be, might be the best scenario. Um, but ultimately don't overcomplicate it. Whatever works for your, for your schedule is what works best 
for building the fit but is what works just as well as anything else for building the fitness. So just be consistent, Rob. That's, that's always the name of the game for me when it comes to building, building fitness, um, heart rate or otherwise, but thank you for the question. My friend, Lisa, fresh off of her first marathon. Congratulations. Once again, my lady, uh, what's your opinion on the use of a wobble board and those slide thingies where you <laughs> where you slide side to side in the little booties? Are they worth it? Are they gimmicky? Do they do any good? So, um, I mean, definitely not like a complete gimmick. Like th- those things have, have value for certain, certain situations, certain things. Um, you know, if, if you're relatively perfectly healthy, no, you know, no, no issues, no balance, no, no proprioception issues. Um, you know, like, are they, are they gimmicky that, at that point? I mean, maybe not, but like, are they the biggest bang for your buck in the gym to like do the little wobble board thing or to do the slide board? Like also maybe not. Um, but you know, if you've got, if you've got balance issues or if you, if you're, if you have a history of ankle sprains and you're trying to, to build back some strength and stability in your ankle, in those cases, I mean, the wobble board is like, that's as good as it gets. Like, it's hard to get a whole, I mean, you can, you can do other things, but that's like, that's like primo is doing some of the balance stuff. Um, you know, the, the, the slide board, that's a good way to, that's a good way to kind of work your glutes a little bit, work some inner thighs, some outer thigh. Um, again, I mean, I, I, I would make an argument. There's other things that might be better for, for runners. Uh, but, but you know, it's not bad. It's not gimmicky. Do they do any good? Yeah. You like you get on that for, for a couple minutes going back and forth. You'll feel it. You'll be out of breath. You'll be, you'll be feeling it in the, in the glutes the next day. Um, so they definitely work. Uh, I mean, they're good. They're good rehab equipment. They're, they're definitely rehab tools. Um, again, I mean, are they, are they great for general population, healthy population? I mean, I don't know that they're great, but they're not bad. So, you know, like I don't, I don't have either of those things. I don't, I don't have them in my house. They're not something that I use regularly, but you know, back in my athletic training days, we, yeah, wobble boards were, were a regular, like every training room has them because every training room uses them for, for multiple things in terms of rehab and injury recovery. Um, and, and they can be good preventative too. For, like I said, for just working on some balance some stability, things like that, which as runners kind of important. So if, if your balance is a little bit off, Working in some balance would be good. Wobble board is kind of next level balance work, but you know, if you have the opportunity, eh, doesn't hurt anything to get on it and play with it a little bit. Um, so, you know, keep on keeping on, but, but yeah, definitely not a gimmick for either of those. As far as I'm concerned, uh, next question from North of the border, Brian asks, what are some effective ways of dealing with muscle soreness? Um, you know, Brian, like, like ultimately it's, it's just being patient, letting the body heal itself. Now, obviously we all want to speed up the process. We all want to, we, we're all impatient, right? It's 2022. We're all impatient. Um, so, you know, I know some people are, are like, are hardcore into the idea of like, I need to get a couple miles to just like loosen up the, loosen up my muscles and, and, and work out the soreness and yada, yada, yada. And like, you know, sure. I mean, I suppose that works. Um, any type of light activity that gets the, the body moving, gets the muscles moving, gets the blood pumping, things like that can, can be helpful. Certainly can be. So, you know, whether it's an easy run, um, whether it's the bike or the swim or just going for a walk or a hike or something like that, like those things can help a little bit. Um, but we're not talking in most cases about this going from the soreness is going to be lingering for three days. Now it's down to like 10 hours. Like, like it might be instead of 72 hours, it might be 68 hours. You know, so it's not like a game changer, uh, but ultimately the best things are just let, you know, taking care of your body and your body will take care of you. So be patient, rest, get good sleep, eat well, stay hydrated, 
drink plenty of water. Like you do those things that are good for your body. And like that helps the body to speed up the healing process and recovery process. And again, still, we might not, you know, after a good hard workout or a good hard race or something like that, we're, we might, we're not talking about cutting the recovery time in half, you know, the, 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 the soreness duration, maybe not in half, but you know, if you knock off 10%, 20%, something like that, like that's not, it's not nothing and it's good for your body too. So, you know, there's, there's that, but I mean, maybe the most effective way of dealing with muscle soreness is just being patient and letting your body do its job, do what it, do what it does super well. Uh, and that's repair itself. Um, and if you can give it the good tools and plenty of rest, you might be able to speed it up just a little bit. Um, next question from Kelly stretching. I'm sure you've covered this before, but I'm still conflicted. While I'm definitely not good at all the quote unquote little things, the only thing I'm compelled to do is stretch before I run. However, isn't it bad to stretch before a run? I've heard this from various sources, but curious on your thoughts. So here's as, as clearly as I can make it and as well as I understand it, here's why stretching is quote unquote bad to do before a run. So when you're when you're in a like a static stretch, which is kind of what what at least what I initially think of when I when I hear stretching, you know, leaning forward and touching your toes for 10, 20, 30 seconds, or pulling that foot back behind you to stretch your quad for 10, 20, 30 seconds, whatever the case might be. Um, the reason that's bad, quote unquote bad, is that that, that act of stretching, that act of lengthening, lengthening your muscles actually kind of decreases the, the power that the muscle is able to generate in the short term. So if you're, if you're doing these static stretches before a run, especially like a race or a workout, something where you're going to push the pace a little bit, you're, you're ham, hamstringing <laughs> somewhat of a joke if you're stretching your hamstrings, but like you're, you're definitely impairing your body's ability to go out and hammer, to generate the power, the force to, to hit the paces, things like that, that you might be targeting. Um, another reason that stretching before a run might be considered bad is that typically your muscles probably aren't super warm, especially if you are, if you're a morning runner. So you just roll out of bed you know, maybe, maybe have a cup of coffee, a little bit of water, whatever, but you're basically out of bed and out the door in five, 10, 15 minutes. Like your muscles aren't really warmed up and loose at that point. So if you're going to stretch for five minutes at that point, you're stretching a cold muscle, which is not going to stretch as far. Uh, because you know, just like a lot of things is that as our muscles warm up, they become more pliable, more elastic. Um, so you're, you're stretching something where it's not ready to really stretch. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be in, you're going to have an injury result in it or a result of stretching. Um, uh, some type of pull or tweak or whatever. Um, but it certainly is a little bit higher risk than if you're stretching a warm muscle and your, your gains aren't going to be as much. So if, you know, gun to my head, maybe a poor metaphor, but you know, if, if I had to choose and you're going to go out and just run easy, stretching before a run and it's not first thing in the morning, it's probably not terrible but it's also not going to be the most beneficial. Something that would be better would be more of a dynamic stretch or a dynamic warm up. Um, something like leg swings, high knees, you know, high marching knees, uh, butt kicks where you're kind of like, you know, pulling your heel up behind you, kind of trying to, to kick yourself in the, in the backside. Um, you know, especially if you're kind of jogging in place while you're doing that, um, or just, you know, a, a short little, you know, hundred, hundred yards down the sidewalk and back type of thing. Um, you're still getting some of the range of motion benefits. Now you're definitely not stretching, stretching in that situation, but you're, you're, lengthening the muscles, you're warming it up, um, kind of set yourself up for a, a better start to your run. Um, so that would be probably the better option. And then, you know, when it comes to stretching, maybe ideally would be just make it part of your run, but at the end of your run. So you go out and you run and then you finish and hopefully you've still got five minutes left and that's where you stretch. Um, cause then the muscles are warm 
So you're, you're getting more pliable muscles and as you lengthen them and you maybe decrease the power. So what? Cause you're, you're done with your workout. You're not running right now. So, so you get the strength and benefits, the power comes back after a couple of hours. So it's not a big deal. Um, and you're good to go. So that's, that's definitely why I would always recommend stretching at the end of a run versus at the beginning. Um, but maybe there's some gray area about, you know, about potentially stretching before a run. But again, in, in general, you're probably better off saving the stretching for afterwards, if at all possible. Um, but if you, if you can just incorporate it as it's just part of the run that happens at the end, maybe you don't have to motivate yourself or feel compelled to stretch later. It's just part of how you finish your run. Mental gymnastics, they're required, but maybe that would, would be helpful. But thank you for the question. Hope, hope it is helpful, at least a little bit. Uh, next question from Rob. Do you have any suggestions for keeping a local running club engaged during the pandemic? Formal group activities aren't taking place. We used to meet up to three times a week. So, I mean, obviously this is, this is something that a lot of, a lot of people are struggling with a little bit. Um, and, and it depends on, on the dynamics of your group, Rick. I mean, I think that, that, you know, there's, I don't know. I, I don't want to speak out of the, the wrong end here. Um, but, but at this point, like if, if the group is struggling to stay engaged, um, maybe the best thing you can do is run and maybe not everybody's is comfortable with the idea of, of meeting for a group run or things like that. Um, but I feel like, you know, running clubs, local running clubs, like there's, there's two components. There's the running component and the social component. And depending on where you, where you are and what the local re, you know restrictions are and what people are comfortable with, quite frankly, um, the social the social stuff maybe is still taking a pretty big hit. You know, maybe that's not something that you're really able to do is to, to meet at the coffee shop or for breakfast after the run or have a beer after the midweek run or or whatever. Um, but probably there's there's more comfort and more ability to get together and run. Uh, especially if you're running outside. So if you can, if you can foster those runs to happen, make sure you're, Hey, you know, haven't seen you in a while. Hope things are well, you know, send them messages on social media or phone calls or texts or whatever. Like, don't, don't forget, you know, the, the, the club's meeting up for the, the long run on Saturday. We've got, you know, eight miles, 12 miles and 16 mile routes. Uh, we'd love to see you out there. Uh, you know, no coffee after no, no hanging out for coffee afterwards, but you know, we're, we're starting at such and such a time. Hope to see you there. Um, and maybe that can keep, can keep, people engaged enough that when hopefully soon we're able to, or at least more comfortable, you know, those that aren't comfortable are able to, to get together to have the post-run coffee or the breakfast or the, whatever the, the, the burgers and the beers and the weeknights or whatever the case might be. Um, there's still something there, but, but yeah, I mean, it's going to depend on the dynamics and you can utilize social media or you can utilize zooms or you can utilize those types of things to get some people together. But I feel like at least for me, you know, like if I'm going to engage with the running club, like I'm not going to do it on a zoom happy hour. Like I'm going to either freaking go run with them or, or I'm not. And so if you can, if you can lean into the running side of things like that, that as much as, as, as anything is, is hopefully going to help keep things engaged enough that when things settle back down, you can have your formal get togethers again and, and bring the social dynamic more back into play, but hope that helps and good luck. Good luck. Cause it's, 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 you know, sucky to, to lose out on some of those relationships and that those friendships that, uh, have been built over the years. And, you know, after a couple of years of pandemic life, definitely fallen away for a lot of folks and hope you're able to, to rescue it. Next question from Lewis. Have you ever won any of the races you've done and then come back the next year and successfully defended your title or titles? <laughs> Lol, Lewis, um, that, 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 the, the, you know, have you ever run any, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I do know. Um, 
winning races, running at the front of the pack is definitely not exactly, you know, where, where I tend to be in most races, but I say all that and then say this, I, I do have one race victory under my belt. Technically I was first human. Um, Bailey, my, my dog was as she actually won the race. Uh, cause she was, she was still young enough and spry enough that she was not letting the old man beat her across the finish line. Um, or just be out in front at any point during, during the race. Um, uh, but I don't know how long ago it's been now, maybe, maybe, uh, eight, nine, 10 years, something like that ago. Um, I, I won the local, uh, 5k it was, and it was a 5k. I mean, that's, uh, you know, but, but I, I won a race that was a church, a church fundraiser race, 5k run, walk, whatever, um, that, that we participated in and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I won it. I won it. And so the next year I definitely came back, uh, to, to try to defend the crown. Um, but the next year, some, you know, punk high school kid that was a runner that probably just didn't even break a sweat and ran 17 minutes or, or even faster in the 5k. Um, he, he entered the race and it was pretty clear a quarter of a mile in half a mile in that, uh, my 20 and change wasn't going to, wasn't going to compete that year. And so, uh, th- that year I finished second, first, first adult, you know, first, first in my age group, of course. Um, but second overall to, to some high school kid that was just flying out there. Um, so that's, that, those are the two times that I've been that, that far up on the podium. Um, you know, but that's, that's the way you do it, right? If you want to win a race, like that's, that's the best bet is to show up at some small local, not really promoted event. And you might have a chance because the winners got to come from the people that show up. And so church fundraisers are a good, good way to try to win a race. Not saying, just saying, but thanks for the question, Lewis. Um, next question from Rob getting close to the end. Here, I think we've got five or six questions to go. Next one from Rob, in your opinion, based on your tip to, of when to do strength training. So that was, I think last week's quick tip. If you're, if you're missed that one, when is the best time to do strength training episode 10, 15, you can find that just a couple episodes back. Um, but back to Rob's question, Based on that that quick tip episode, let's say I'm planning to do a, a five runs per week training plan uh, with one day off and one day of cross training and also including two strength training days. Would it be more beneficial to focus on leg, uh, leg strength after a run on tired legs where the weight and reps are lighter and fewer or to use a more rested cross training day where I can possibly do more weight and more reps? Um, Rob, I mean, kind of going back to your, your other question about, you know, shorter runs versus longer runs for heart rate training. Like this is one of those where don't overcomplicate it or don't overthink it as much as is my gut reaction, which quite frankly is my gut reaction to like 99% of the things that pop up in my life is like, just keep it simple. Um, don't, don't, uh, don't overthink anything. Um, but, but in this case, I I think that I would focus more on, on what, is going to be the, the next couple of days work after the times when you're thinking about doing the strength training. So meaning if you're going to do, um, you know, heavier strength on your cross training day, but then the next day is supposed to be, you know, a, a long run, or maybe even two days away is supposed to be a long run. Then that might not be make the most sense because, you know, 24 to 48 hours, that's when you're most likely to feel the effects of the strength training. And so, you know, you're just making your, your strength training a little bit more difficult, a little bit more miserable, um, because you did the the heavy strength two days before. Um, so, so that's how I would, I would factor it in. Yes. Doing heavier strength, heavier weights, things like that, more intense strength, like that there's benefit to that. No doubt. Um, 
there's also benefit to doing, you know, more body weight or lighter weights, things like that. And, and doing it on tired legs, you're still getting a lot of the same effect. Okay. So, so I would, and, and hopefully maybe this didn't come through as much last week as I had intended, but you know, schedule your, your strength training strategically based on the other things that are going on in your, in your week. Um, uh, but definitely keep, keep your day off. That's, that's huge. Um, and if strength training happens on cross cross training day, like that's okay. But if it doesn't, that's also okay. Um, but just try to try to strategically place your strength training in there and, and this, the intensity of your strength training based on what your runs are looking like for the next couple of days afterwards. Um, I think I mentioned this last week, but if, and so if I did, I'm going to repeat myself. If I didn't, here we go. There, I do my, my heavier strength training, my more intense lower body strength training on Tuesdays so that I've got four days to recover before my long run. Then my Thursday strength training, which is also a leg day, um, tends to be a bit lighter, closer to body weight, less intense, uh, no plyometrics, uh, maybe sometimes even just more mobility stuff. If I feel like my legs are a little bit still sore from, from a couple of days previous, um, maybe I'm not even going to do proper strength, but I'm going to do more like functional mobility. Um, so kind of like, uh, uh, you know, I've got the running rewired book. I'll go through some of the routines there where it's kind of strength, but it's definitely kind of mobility as well and count that. So like, I, I'm not a slave to doing the same thing every week and I kind of make sure I'm paying attention to how my body's feeling, but with the focus on making sure that come Saturday for my long run, my legs aren't wrecked still from any type of speed work or strength training work that I've done. So hopefully that helps a little bit, Rob. Um, but again, don't, don't overthink it. Get the strength training done. It'll pay off for you for sure. Next question from Ryan. Next couple of questions from Ryan. Uh, toe socks. Love them. Hate them. Indifferent. I'm pretty much indifferent. Uh, I've had a few pairs. Had zero issues with them. Um, but the last several times I've bought socks, I get them from Features typically. Um, and features doesn't have a toe sock. So I don't have any toe socks anymore. Um, not against them at all. Again, zero issues with them, zero issues without them, which I feel like by default, that makes me indifferent. If they're, if they're, if they work for you, cool. If you don't like them, don't go with them. Um, but for me, eh, take them or leave them. Um, next question also from Ryan, when trail running, do you lube your feet? Trying to find ways to take better care of my feet. I don't typically, um, the only time I've ever really done any lube on my feet was for the, the ultra in November when I thought I was going to be running underwater for most of the time. And that was the reason that I did it was because I thought it was going to be super soggy and wet and swampy and all that type of stuff and it ended up being not that bad. So, um, and my feet were more or less fine. So I don't know if it's, if it's a shoe thing for me and wearing the, the, the wider toe box shoes seems to help. Um, I don't know if I just, my feet are so freaking you know, hobbit feet anyway that like whatever, um, but yeah, I, I've never really lubed my feet for any type of trail run or, or longer distance run. Again, with the exception of the last one, but it had less to do with the distance and really only had to do with the conditions that I was afraid were going to be out there. If it would have been a dry 45, I would not have done any type of lube on my feet at all. Um, so just something I've never really needed to do. Um, uh, but definitely, you know, worth playing with if, if, you're having some type of, of, you know, blisters or chafing or rubbing things like that on your longer runs and on the trail, definitely try it. Cause I know a lot of people swear by, you know, the Vaseline or the nut butter or whatever, um, between their toes, uh, to keep, keep the blisters from popping up. So good luck. Uh, last question. Not sure if you have seen the hoopla about the quote unquote, when we were young fest, which is an early two thousands emo fest happening in Vegas, something I would love to go to, but it got me thinking if you could put on your own music festival, who are your top five bands playing at it? Money is no issue. Um, 
I mean, you know, the, the obvious answer is the obvious answer. Like Dave Matthews, uh, the Dave Matthews band would have to be there. And quite frankly, I would rather have them play five sets than see five different bands. Um, I, I, I legitimately thought about this question for like 10 minutes, Ryan. And, uh, the best I could come up with was that obviously Dave, Dave and the band would be there. Um, and then maybe Pearl Jam, probably Pearl Jam. I mean, they would, they would be on my list. Like that would be a good show. Um, Maybe Aerosmith. Like I saw Aerosmith a, twelve years ago, and like they were fine, they were good. But like, would would current day Aerosmith be worth watching? Like, eh, I don't know. Um, and that was all I could come up with because any of the bands that that I would kind of want to see, um, like they're 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 either so old, so it'd be like ACDC or or or, or something like that, where like I don't know that the show's gonna be that great. Um. Or like they're they're either not still a band, or you know people have died. So like Nirvana, like I would love to like Nirvana would be on my list, um, but you know Kurt's not there, so there's that. But if I could if I could bring him back from the dead, then then Nirvana would be on the list. Um, but like realistically, like money is no issue, but like everything else has to be in it, you know, has to be considered. Like I, uh, Dave Pearl Jam, uh, and then I don't know. And I don't know, um, lots of bands that I would love to see a couple songs from here or there, but like full sets, full, you know, hour and a half, two hour long, long sets. Um, eh. sorry. I, that's, that's a letdown. Cause that's a great question. Um, but yeah, I, eh. not that into like the deep tracks of a lot of bands. So <sighs> just give me five sets of Dave and I'll be, I'll be, that'll, that'll be, a music fest well worth well worth attending for sure uh, thank you for the questions my friend uh next question from carly interested to hear your thoughts on shoes for marathon training i was curious if a few pairs of the same style of shoe is fine to rotate or should i buy different types of shoes to rotate does it make a difference so um you know like i said earlier uh carly I'm kind of down to just one pair of shoes, which may or may not be the right mix for everybody. But I, I definitely, up until just the last couple of months, have been a big fan of a few pairs of shoes. Um, ideally, similar in style. Maybe not the exact same shoe. Um, but you don't want to necessarily go... I wouldn't necessarily want to go with dramatic changes from like, you know, from Ultras to Hoka's to Brooks to like like all the different styles, right? Um just because that's that's asking for a lot of difference, especially if you mix in a stability shoe and then something with a high drop and a low drop and a minimal shoe, like like that's just that's just asking for a lot. But things that are you know in the same ish category. So if you if you wear a neutral shoe, you get a few different types of neutral shoes. Like that's probably fine. Um, some people would say that's the better way to do it because you're working your body differently with the different types of shoes. So you're changing the stress points, things like that. It's not exactly wrong. Um, some would say that you should stick to pretty much the same type of shoe. Um, not exactly wrong. Uh, it kind of whatever whatever works best for you. But but I like the idea of having a couple pairs of shoes to rotate through. Um, that way, you know, you, you don't get to the the race showing up and like you got man, my shoes are, are pretty well shot, and the, my next big runs the marathon, and it's not really enough time to to get a new pair of shoes going and be comfortable with them. Um, so having a couple pairs going makes sense. Um, but as long as they're in the same ballpark, they don't have to be the exact same style. But as long as they're in the same ballpark, you'll probably be fine. Uh, just go with, go by the comfort. You know, if it feels good on your feet, feels good while you're running, probably going to be okay. Um, and then just make sure that whatever, whatever shoe feels best as you're going, you're kind of making that the priority to make sure that one's got enough life left in when race day comes around that you got a good, good shoe 
feel comfortable, ready to go, get out there and have fun. So hopefully that makes sense, Carly. Hopefully that, that helps. Thank you for the question. Now we got uh, the Tom Trifecta, which was supposedly the last three questions, but somebody else snuck in over the line while we're recording. So we got four questions left, or at least four posts left to go. We got three from Tom, maybe one from Sharon, or maybe a couple questions from Sharon. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but I'll be flying blind on that one, having prepared for Sharon's question. So good luck. Good luck on that one. Um, Tom's first question. I've fallen out of love with the 5K race, and now they are returning with a vengeance in my local area. Any advice? Yeah, Tom, embrace the dislike of the 5K and just remove that from your race lexicon. Um, (laughs) You're asking me for advice on how to fall back in love with the 5K, Tom. Have you not been paying attention over the last however many years you've been listening to the show? Um, You know, but but in all seriousness, I know know you like the local races and and, uh, I know you're one of those crazier folks that likes to push it a little bit in the 5K. Um, Maybe just sit a few out. You know, sit a a few of the, the local races out. Um, maybe volunteer, maybe spectate and see if that doesn't kind of re reignite the flame, reignite the passion for the 5k. Um, but if not, you know, maybe it's a blessing. Maybe, 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 maybe you're, you're one of the lucky ones, Tom, that have seen the light and it's just like, yeah, the 5k. No, I don't want to do that anymore. And you can move on to greener pastures. Um, but, but yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, either, either a little bit of absence is going to make the heart grow fonder or the absence is going to make the heart go, you know what? I'm right. This is not what we want to do anymore, and you can move on. But one way or the other, taking a little break from the race and from the local races, and maybe, like I said, spectating, being part of them without participating in them, will let you know that either you're done with the 5K for now, um, or you're ready to get back at it. And and in all seriousness, if you if you are saying you're done with the 5K, remember that that's just for now. It might be for 2022. It might be for for half of 2022. Um, but just because you're not chomping at the bit to to run a 5k in January or February doesn't mean that you won't want to jump in and push the pace in September, October. So, you know, if you're not feeling it, don't race it. But if the feeling comes back, then jump in, jump in by all means. Um, just, you know, all, all prejudice against the 5k aside. Uh, next question from Tom, what is your favorite meal to eat after your long run? I'm still partial to pancakes, but I'm guessing you prefer something else. Yeah, I prefer coffee. Uh, that tends to be my my meal after the long runs. Usually, like a fatty coffee. I might start with just a regular cup, but then switch to my my butter and cream concoction. Um, but that's that's usually it. Uh, I don't I don't eat much after a run these days. Um, just kind of you know whether it's my my stubbornness or hard headedness or fat adaptedness or whatever uh, intermittent fast fastingness. Um, I, I finish my run, have some coffee, on with my day, and I'll eat something eventually. Uh, but definitely no, no go-to right after maybe a couple scoops of peanut butter. Like I do kind of allow myself a little bit of peanut butter splurging on the weekend, usually, um, post long run, but that's, that's about it. That's about it. Uh, keep it simple. You know, it's kind of the theme of this episode just, uh, and everything. Keep it simple for me. That's just some coffee, maybe with some butter in it. Call it a day. Well, not call it a day, but you know, still not going to eat for several hours. So that's, that's what works for me. I'm not saying it works for everybody, but it definitely works for me. Uh, and last but not least, do you wash your running clothes after every run? If I avoid blood and mud, I try to get a couple of runs from my gear before throwing them into the wash. Yeah. Um, this is one of those questions where I consider like seriously consider lying because the truth, the truth may, may upset some of you. Um, but no, I don't wash my running clothes after every run, not in the winter, not in the summer, not in the spring, not in the fall. Um, I get at least a week out of, out of every, you know, 
pair of running shorts before washing them. Typically, I get at least a week, even in the dead of summer, even when it's sweat crazy. Um, now, when it comes to like like tops, which I don't wear most of the time, but if I'm doing long enough that I'm going to wear my pack, I'm probably going to wear a singlet or something like that underneath it. Um, I mean, I usually throw that in the wash afterwards, not because like I'd be opposed to wearing it again, but just because I'm not going to wear it again until the next week anyway. So whatever. Um, but the typical, the typical routine around here for washing my running clothes is, you know, get something new on a Monday, wear it through Saturday and then throw it in the wash. Start, start fresh on Monday, start the new week with a, with a clean pair of, of running shorts and then let it ride for, uh, you know, the next six days and then, uh, you know, rinse, rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. So, so there you go. There's there's my hygiene habits strung out for everybody. I wash my running shorts at most after a week's worth of wear. Eh. Let the record show, however, that if I'm doing doubles, I will wear two different pairs of running shorts. So, you know, I, I, I'm not I'm not a complete slob. Maybe. Anyway, last question from Sharon sliding in sliding in just under the wire. What is better? Getting 10,000 steps in a day, most of which are during your run and or workout, or a good deal of sitting and lying around recovering with a good deal of lying around and recovering, or 7,000 steps in a day with at least 250 steps every hour for, say, 12 hours, i.e. more consistent moving throughout the day. Asking for a friend. Well, Sharon, I would I would say that, that you could tell your friend that, in general, probably better to get up and move a little bit every hour than to get a bit more movement you know, in the first couple hours of the day during your run or your workout, and then kind of not doing much the rest of the day. Um, I don't know of all kinds of science and studies and things like that to show it, but I do know that, that I feel, I, I feel like our bodies are made to move and made to move consistently. And so, you know, being trapped at the desk, being trapped in the car, being trapped, just, you know, lounging around, trapped by your own devices on the couch. Um, like not that there's anything wrong with sitting in modern life and things like that, of course, but, getting up and moving a little bit here and there is, is ideal. And, you know, like you said, 250 steps every hour, like that's not that much. I mean, like 250 steps is more than, you know, from here to the coffee pot and back, but you know, like walking, walking outside, walking around the house a couple times, whatever, like you can get to 250 pretty quick. And it doesn't even have to be a solid 250. Maybe it's 100, 100, 150, 200. Um, but I would, I would lean towards trying to get up a little bit throughout the day um, as opposed to, to sitting around for most of the day, but getting all your steps in at once. And, and, you know, I guess maybe part of the reason I say that is I just think about, and again, I think about my own situation and my, my N equals one, and it may not be the same as, as your N equals one, but like, you know, after my long runs, after I get 20,000 steps on a, on a 15 or 18,000, 18,000, 18 miler, something like that. Um, you know, like if I, if I keep kind of generally lightly moving, doing some work around the house or, um, you know, doing, you know, getting up and, and walking here and there and, and whatever, uh, walking the dog and, and pulling some weeds and like doing the dishes and, and whatever, like, I'm not really that sore. I'm not doing anything intense and I'm not moving, you know, nonstop, but like, you know, here and there sitting for a bit and then getting up and doing what, like no big deal. But if I like sit and get invested in, you know, a game on TV or a game on my phone or whatever, um, and then like four hours later, I go to get up to go to the bathroom. It's like, Oh God, like, ugh, like I'm, I'm, I'm that old guy getting out of bed, you know, until I start moving around enough. So I think that's part of the reason why I'm just like, yeah, you know, if you can move a little bit throughout the day, uh, but consistently throughout the day, it's probably, probably better. Um, but your friend will have to decide for, for him or herself. 
you know, like, like, uh, but I think, I think all things equal, that would be the, the way I would go. So hope that helps Sharon. Thanks for uh, the question. Glad you got, glad you snuck it in. You snuck it in, uh, but we'll take it, you know, but now anybody else that sneaks in, sorry, missed the cut. Um, but there you go. There you have it. An hour and less than an hour and a half hour and 20 minutes worth of questions. That's not bad. That's not a bad month. Well done. Well done. Thanks y'all for the questions. Appreciate that. Uh, and once again, you know, if you, if you, if you want to get questions answered, if you got something on your mind, you want to bounce off me nonsense or actual sense, uh, disruns.com slash Facebook is the place to be. Look for that, that post that says, Hey, what are your questions each month? And, uh, put them there in the comments and we will get to them next month or the next month or the next month, because we do these every month. So there you go. Thanks again for the time and attention. Thanks for all the questions, everybody. Appreciate you. And, uh, you know, hope this was useful. Hope it was helpful. Hope it was at least maybe somewhat mildly entertaining. Uh, but until next time, y'all be well. Well, hold on. What am I, what am I, what am I trying to cut to the chase here? What do you think? What did I get right? What did I get wrong? Feedback always appreciated. Before I wind this thing up, let me make sure to remind you how to get in touch with me if you if you have feedback on today's questions or just you know something in general. Always always love to engage with y'all uh, at Dizruns on Twitter at Dizruns on Instagram. You can also always send an email to Dizruns at gmail.com. You can also also head over to the show notes for today, which as per usual features more than a few memes and gifs. Probably more than I should have put the time and effort into uh tracking down but i kind of enjoy it so whatever time well time well ish spent uh but disruns.com slash 1017 disruns.com slash 1017 a couple things linked up that we talked about today as well in there um but there's also that comment section so you can leave me some feedback there as well and now at this point we'll wrap it up so y'all thanks for the time and attention appreciate it appreciate you taking me with you and and hopefully hope your year's getting off to a good start Hope uh, whether it has or whether it hasn't, hopefully next month is a good one for you. If there's anything I can do to help out along the way, let me know. And until next time, be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? Later, y'all.